All right. Man, for those of you who don't know, I'm Shay Ryanga. I'm blessed to be one of the pastors here. We are continuing, as you can see, our sermon series called What the Bible Doesn't Say. So we're in week three. We've already done two weeks. Our first saying was, God wants you to be happy. Second, last week was, God won't give you more than you can bear. And so we've talked about these phrases and our relationships with these phrases. And do they tie to scripture? Do they not? Are they entangled in such a way as we use them in our culture and our time that they really don't match what scripture has to say for us? So we've been exploring them more as half-truths. Um, and this week is the one we're all real familiar with, I think. We've probably used this phrase a lot or have heard this phrase said that everything happens for a reason. Everything happens for a reason. All right, it's a bit personal for me this morning. So I, l let me disclose a few things. I'm not gonna retread and share my call story with you. My first sermon with you in the middle of July, um, I shared with you my call to ministry, which comes out of the church I served at, while I was at Baylor University. And uh, my pastor, mentor, friend passed away in a, in a very public way um, in front of us. And it was a very difficult season. <laughs> very difficult. And this phrase by, I have a kindness now, I didn't really have then. Um, this, this phrase was used by well-meaning, faithful Christians in other churches that, that interpreted the way in which Kyle passed away um, as part of God's plan, okay? Um, so it's a little, this phrase, I have a history with this phrase. I want you to know that. And, and I want you to know that I don't want to rob from you this morning. This, I'm, that's not my aim. That's not my mission. I don't want to take anything from you this morning. If this is an important phrase and truth for you, there are, I will even say, brilliant Christian thinkers, men, women, church folk, faithful, faithful people, men and women of God, who are, who are gonna disagree with what I have to say this morning and with what Pastor David is sharing this morning. Churches, this is a dividing line for even church traditions, how we try to understand and grasp with the commitments that tag along with this phrase, everything happens for a reason. So if you tune me out this morning, I, I love you and I will not take offense. I understand, this is a, this is a tricky one. Everything happens for a reason. And I want to start by saying I think it's I think it's interesting that we don't think it's we don't think it's strange that we're making a claim about all things about reality about everything that happens. You know, we don't we don't want our kids to be kind of the know-it-all kids, you know? We want our kids to share. We don't want them to always jump in front of the line at the expense of others, to be the first to dominate all conversation and always have their hand raised, always have their hand. You know, we want we want our kids to get kind of get along with others, right? And we don't want them to be so self-obsessed and self-absorbed and and yet there's a kind of hubris when we say everything happens for a reason. We're making a claim about everything. <laughs> about all reality. And when we think about reality and what we can perceive in the bigness of reality and the smallness of reality, physicists and mathematicians hypothesize now that the universe is 93 billion light years in diameter. What? 93 billion light years in diameter. That it's, it's exceeding in size. It's bigger in size than it is old. It's, it's exceeded its age. It's, it's, it's bigger than it is old. 
I don't, like, how, what? I don't, so I, I don't understand, I don't understand any of that. I mean, uh, and, and you think of the smallness of reality, the smallness, like the small, like subatomic particle realm. You've got PhD professors that have studied this stuff their whole life. And in the smallness of reality, there are these particles that, that appear, disappear and then reappear. The same particles without traveling the distance between the two points. It's like you got, you got these scientific words being used like spooky <laughs> to describe reality. In the bigness of the universe, in the smallness of the universe, we've got more questions and we've got answers and yet we often say and profess and believe everything happens for a reason. And we say that like, like we're not saying anything strange. And of course we say that because we, I mean, it's kind of comfortable. We, we want there to be a reason and a purpose. We want, we want reality to, for there to be a fairness in all this. Behind this notion is sort of like karma. We hope everything balances out. We hope everything works out. We, we want justice in our world. We want, we want to believe like there isn't this innate randomness and chance and order and chaos to everything. And so part of it's our desire that we, we want to believe this is the case because to think otherwise scares us a little bit. So there's a little fear in that. And still it's, it's more basic than just a desire that we want. We look at our life, we look at our situation, we look at the world and it appears like this is all kind of a predetermined deal. It, it appears that there's a givenness. There's a script that's been written for our life. I mean, we've, we've all got genes. We act and respond in ways and we have conditions because of the genes that we have. There's a kind of givenness there. Some of us wish we could choose our family, but we can't choose our family. And I'm blessed and I realize I am who I am in large part because of my family. And when I was talking to my younger brother, I'm four years older than my brother. When he got his first job as a social worker, he started to investigate some kids and their family situations. And when he shared with me some of the realities of kids and their families and what parents did to their children, it was horrific. And like, isn't that script written for that kid? Like, is there any, I mean, is there any hope? Are they just destined to have a miserable life? I mean, some of us, that's, that's our experience. We, we are stuck maybe in a place. We just feel like we were born at the wrong place at the wrong time on the other side of the tracks or in a small town. Nothing good comes out of my small town. No one's ever made anything of themselves. We're fixed by location. It seems like the script's been written and everything happens for a reason and everybody kind of does the same old same old. We've got tests like the Enneagram. Our small group's doing Enneagram. Uh, Myers-Briggs, DISC profiles that help us understand our motivations and our personality and so we can better relate to others. But it can also make us feel like we're immutable, like we can't change, like my choices have already been made. And so when things go wrong, we often say everything happens for a reason because we want, we, want, we want, as much as we don't understand what's going on, we want, we want there to be a reason. And when things go well, we still kind of believe everything happens for a reason, although we don't use the phrase as much. One funny thing um, we do, like we see this in sports and baseball, everything happens for a reason. We're going to see this image of Yasiel Puig here, 
Let's, let's throw up the baseball image, licking a baseball bat. So in baseball, a funny example of everything happens for a reason on the more positive side is, is stuff like this. Like you don't step on a foul line or you don't wash your clothes during a wind streak, stuff like that. The curse of the Bambino, curse of the Black Sox, curse of the Billy Goat. Of course, all those curses don't exist anymore because they've all won the World Series, the Red Sox, the White Sox, and the Cubs, right? But there's this weird, it can't be that life's, worth of practice and ability and talent. It has to be some weird juju or magic in the universe for why something good happened. But, but a lot of times church folk, um, we say everything happens for a reason when something bad happens, but when something good happens, we say it's a God thing. Now, let me be careful here because I just stepped on some toes. Sometimes when you say it's a God thing, it is a God thing. I know a lot of us are good and discerning and we're careful, but, but we say everything happens for a reason a lot or we hear it a lot. And, and I think we use the word, it's a God thing in a very casual way often to, to again describe both. Everything happens for a reason when something bad happens and it's a God thing when something good happens and what those phrases often have in common and the way we use them is again, God's underwriting and causing everything that happens in our life. And so we have to remind ourselves and reiterate what we say, what we said last week that if that's true, then we have to say God causes our own disobedience of him. We have to say that if God causes all things and he causes our own disobedience and we know that isn't true as we open scripture and we see God's word for us and his love for us that God is love and that he created us for himself to have real fellowship that if it isn't real if our choice isn't real then this is all an arranged marriage. There really is choice there really is, it really does matter. And the allure with everything happens for a reason is it blurs the line of our responsibility. I mean, I mean, the choice was already made. I can't really make that big of a difference. I can just sort of accept my surroundings as they are. It blurs the lines of our responsibility. So where does the phrase come from? Because it's got to have some scriptural connection or we wouldn't have churches that sort of divide on this stuff. And so I want to invite you to find Romans chapter 8. This famous, famous chapter in Romans. Romans chapter 8 verses 28 to 30. We're going to read this, this passage. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. So I want to get ahead of something here because these are some loaded verses and it's in the midst of this grand yet dense and complex argument Paul is making so far in Romans. That, that part of the problem here is, is Paul isn't actually saying anything novel in these passages that he hasn't been saying so far in the work of Romans. But what happens is, is we can easily pull something like verse 29 and we read that in isolation. We read that by itself as if Paul is, is uh, trying to give us a theory of time, of God's foreknowledge, of, of God's relationship with the reality when 
That's not what Paul is saying here. Nowhere does it say God causes all things. But Paul is making a general argument about God's purpose in in all of reality. And we see he starts by saying, not that God causes all things, but but that in everything, God works in all things for the good of those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. That's very different than saying God causes everything that happens good or bad in the world. But see, verse 29, foreknow and predestined. And Shay, if God foreknows something, then how could it be otherwise? And that's a good question. But see, it doesn't say, again, Paul's not saying God causes every single little thing, every random thought, everything good or bad in reality. It says God foreknows. N.T. Wright says a better, a better interpretation or translation of the word is foreordains. God foreordains and predestines for us to choose to be shaped like Christ. From the beginning of time, God has a plan that accounts for a lot of variables, like whether or not we would choose to follow or not follow. And God has this plan and he predetermines for his creation, he predetermines to call us. And by us, by us, I don't mean like 22 and that's it. He calls all of his creation, all those made in his image, he predetermines to call us to be shaped like Christ. From the beginning, that's what God's decided to do. That's God's plan. And that's very different than saying God predetermines and chooses every little thing that happens or doesn't happen in our life. Paul Paul is is emphasizing, again, before we get to our passage today, he emphasizes the context. He's acknowledging the responsibility that we have. And in fact, the responsibility that we have for the situation the world's in. Paul says, creation is groaning. (laughs) Creation is groaning as in the pains of childbirth and, and alludes to the ways in which we've rebelled against God and caused disorder. And we've, we've had lasting consequences. God's good creation has been disrupted and it's groaning. And we too are groaning, awaiting for the redemption of our bodies, Paul says just in a few verses before we get to, again, our passage today, that it's in this context. But in this context, God's chosen to work for the good of those who love him. And that we live in this strange time where we have the assurance in the midst of all that we can't know, we have the assurance that God loves us, that he's working all these things out for us. We have the assurance of God's pardoning love for us, but we also live in a world of bondage. We also live in a world of decay. We also await for the redemption of our bodies. It's a world that is already, it's a time that's already come. The kingdom, in, 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 a, in some sense we can understand it, has already been come because of what Christ has done, but it's not yet either. The fullness hasn't come yet. And that's the grand scope Paul is saying in the midst of all this. This is the context. And God predetermined and he foreknew to call us. From the beginning, he called his own to be shaped like Christ so that Christ could be the first among many brothers and sisters like Whitley Reese who would come, who would come after and be part of the big family of God. But it's important for us in the, middle, in the middle of all this to understand what we're up against if we're gonna grow, if we're gonna move towards the likeness of Jesus. We have to understand 
the world as it really is and our relationship and our responsibility in it and that there's a spiritual reality too and to quote the usual suspects that the greatest trick the devil, devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist and that often we are our own worst enemy but there is an enemy whose aim is to steal and to kill and destroy. We live in a world where things aren't right and we want there to be reasons and we want to know, we so desperately want to know the reasons. In 2015, my brother and sister-in-law came to live with us for a year and uh, uh, they had two pretty large-sized dogs. We have two large dogs. So for a year and 1,800 square feet, it was four humans and four dogs. And whoo, it, uh, it was a lot. We were bumping into each other a little bit. Uh, my brother had finished his master's degree, master's of social work at the University of Arkansas. So we got any Razorbacks in the house? Woo, woo, woo. So my dad's side of the family, a lot of, lot of folks in Arkansas. So we, we have that um, in the family. And the decision was Texas or Georgia, because my sister-in-law is from Georgia. Uh, we were in Texas and my parents are in Texas. So they decided actually to move to Texas after my brother graduated. And they were living with us for a little while and it was great. Like my brother and I are really close. He's my best friend. And I, I man, it's hard to describe when he, he shared with us that they were expecting that they were pregnant. My parents were gonna have their first grandchild. It was awesome. Like coming home to that was so cool. Um, but then I came home one day and, uh, he said that they lost the baby. You know, Kara had a miscarriage. I know I can assume many in this room have as well. And, uh, you know, that's one of those, like, is there a reason in all this? Like, what? You know? Um, they were having a tough time financially. Kara wasn't working yet, so that's why they were living with us. And, you know, she moved far from her family in this place. And um, she describes, she describes this time as being very difficult. And in her words, it was one of those times in life when my thoughts wanted to drift to a dark place. It was very appealing and tempting to dwell in self-pity one day, while I was impatiently waiting on my biopsy results, because you see, after Kara had a miscarriage, they discovered a lump on her thyroid. And she was awaiting biopsy results. She opens her Bible app, and the verse of the day was Psalm 42, verse 5, which says, Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation, and my God. In the face of all that we wish we could answer, and in those times where we long to know the reasons, when our lives don't make sense, and everything hurts, and we're asking why, why, I think the only faithful response sometimes, as men and women of God, as strange as this sound, is to embrace mystery is to rest in what God has said about us and what, he's, what he has decided to do for us and to rest in the mystery that, <laughs> that given the kind of creatures we are, there's just some things that we cannot know. I don't know sometimes 
is all we can say. I don't know why babies die. I don't, I don't know why my parents show up for me in the ways your parents didn't show up for you. Like, I, I don't... I don't know. I don't, I don't know how you can manage and handle the chaos of your life because that's, that's something I don't understand. I don't, I don't know. And even in the good stuff, like I don't know why I was blessed with such good parents. I don't know. I don't know why Lindsay Kay and I have moved seven times in the last seven years. And I'm claiming the number seven. Creation in seven days. It is a perfect number. It is a complete number. In Jesus' name, we're done moving. Lord, <laughs> Leave me alone. Like, yes, amen. Come on now. Like, I don't know. Seven times in seven years. Like, it's, I don't know. <laughs> Paul will later say, Romans chapter 12, verse three, for by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. Think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each of you. And I think if we are confident and everything happens for a reason, we're think of our, thinking of ourselves a little more highly than, than we ought. We're thinking on a plane that isn't ours to occupy when we try to presume all of those things. And especially when we try to speak into people's pain and offer reasons that we, we aren't qualified to offer. We are not qualified to offer I think sometimes the most faithful response is, I don't know, and I'm here, and, and let's talk about what God gives, this beautiful life that God gives, and, and the kind of love that God gives us, how wonderful and amazing it is to fathom how great thou art, the greatness of God, and the times like this where we can worship and, and celebrate baptism, and that, that he does the beauty and the mystery of why he gives us freedom and a choice and that love is real because of that. We learn that love is genuine and real because of that and that we have a responsibility to choose. Otherwise, there is no meaning in this. We see that in God's mercy. We see that. And I don't know why I don't know why everything happens. Like, I don't know why, if there are reasons for everything that happens, but I do know, I do know that God works in all things for our good. And maybe our prayer should be, God, show me all that's around me. Because if God works in all things and he works for our good, and I, have, I think a lot of us can only focus on the why, on the reason that we want an answer. We, we, we have that present hurt in front of us, that present pain, that present question, and that's all we can see. But, but, but scripture says, God works in all things for our good. And so God, show me all that's around me. Because I think if we, if we were able to see that, if we were able to be aware of that, that, that God's presence is all around us working for our good, then we wouldn't be so obsessed with knowing the why and all the reasons. Because what in the world could we possibly ask for when we see when we see God all around us in ways that we never saw before, we were just so focused on that question we wanted answered. We were so consumed by this one thing right in front of us and God's working, working in our good in all kinds of which, in all kinds of ways. I wanna, I wanna close by letting you hear what Kara experienced a short time after she found out the results of her biopsy. She said one night, not too long after this, as I was laying in bed, wrestling with the uncertainty of my current situation, I had a vision of me sitting under a waterfall. 
letting the waters crash over me. This wasn't a normal waterfall. The waters were full of radiant light. They sparkled like diamonds. The waters felt warm and filled me with ecstatic joy and complete peace. She said God was the waterfall. He was covering me, surrounding me, elevating me out of my current earthly troubles and showing me that my soul is always in his waterfall. It wasn't until later, she said, it wasn't until later that I realized this image came straight from the word of God. From the very same chapter of that Psalm 42 that had blessed me time and time again. Verse seven of Psalm 42. Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and waves have gone over me. Will you pray with me? Lord, help us surrender our need to know everything. Give us a sober mind and sober judgment and help us be content with where we are, knowing that that our current circumstance, we're not enslaved to our present situation and circumstance, that your power rests on us, that you're with us, and that we are more than conquerors because of what you've done for us. And that no matter where we come from or how stuck we feel, God, there's hope for a new day. There's hope for life, because you are making all things new. And in the mystery of your control over this universe, God, God, we confess that we understand you are in control of our life. You are in control of the world. And yet you've called us and made us with freedom and given us responsibility and called us to choose you. And God, in the mystery of that and time and and what's our responsibility and, and what we can and can't do, Lord, we have all kinds of questions. We wanna know all the reasons, God, Help us have a sober mind and help us be content with the day that you give us, with the calling that you've placed on our lives to follow you, to share joy, to share grace, to speak a word of encouragement to someone in need. And God, let the ways that are higher than ours and, and the thoughts that are beyond us that, that really only you ever know, can ever know and ever, ever answer, God, let, let us let go of, of the need, of the need to control. Because in the midst of our life, of all the questions that go unanswered and the pain and the suffering that we deal with, God, you know you know deep cries out to deep because you've gone to the depths for us. And we thank you for that. Help us see all that's around us so we can see the ways in which you're working for our good that we've never seen before, God. We pray all this in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.